2: Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. All right, it is now that time. We are into the last part of the entirety of the 1972 retrospective. So it is now time for the top 10 albums of 1972, in a year that some consider the best year for music ever, or even just rock music, but I think 1972 has proven to be all-encompassing. It's definitely one of the great years in music history. I'm not going to hang my hat on it being the best year ever, but this top 10, it's a beast, I gotta say. If I do say so, and I, you know, I didn't write a note on any of these records, but I'm very proud of this list in a sense that it's it's really, really damn good. So join me, won't you, right here. Let's just get down to it. Coming in at album number 10, one of those rare things where a soundtrack actually makes it on the countdown because it does not break my studio album rule because it is all performed by the same artist and it's mostly all vocals. So that's where Marvin Gaye's Trouble Man fell out of the countdown because and it had to go on the odds and ends because a lot of it's instrumental. But this one... Has a couple of instrumentals, but it's mostly just vocals and some of the best music ever composed. Talking about Curtis Mayfield with Superfly. Yeah, Curtis had only been solo for a couple of years before this. He put out two excellent studio albums and one of the best live albums you'll ever hear. Definitely for sure. So he's already like on fire at this point and he just brings it home with Superfly. You're always going to see it on Essential Albums list for a reason, as any of these albums should be on there for sure. A couple of these in the top 10 art, and I'll bitch about that later. But Superfly, definitely I think everybody can agree on its greatness. I listen to it multiple times a year, so that's another mark of how much I love this record. It came out officially on July 11th of 1972, and much like Isaac Hayes' Shaft is a high-water mark in the exploitation Films, and became that thing where, hey, we're, we're just going to do the whole thing. Screw getting a bunch of different bands. Just have you be the voice of the entire film. And it works for that reason. It's like the movies are pretty good, but the music definitely is its own star of the film. I think everybody can kind of agree on that as well. But yeah, I feel like at this point, if you're any kind of fan of music, I shouldn't have to convince you on Superfly. So here you go, kicking off the show. Spread the word, because Freddy's dead. <laughs>
3: Reality What does it mean Ain't nothing said Cause Fred is dead
2: off the show here today and getting us into the top 10 the best albums of all time from 1972. That was Freddie's Dead, an iconic song in R&B and soul. And Curtis Mayfield, one of the greatest artists of all time. Not just for soul music, but of all time. I've often said many times over, the world was a better place when Curtis Mayfield was a part of it. So yes, rest in peace, Mr. Curtis Mayfield. You were one of the all-time greats. Speaking of all-time greats, getting into number nine right here. I might get some people mad at me, but also many would consider this to be too low, even at number nine. Sorry, my list. This album suffers a little bit, just a little bit, of the double album syndrome, whereas it's not a perfect album. It's often considered one of their best, if not their best, I don't agree with that, but it's definitely up there. This album came out on May 26, 1972, produced by Jimmy Miller, recorded in about four major studios all over different points of the world. It is The Rolling Stones with Exile on Main Street. And while it's not a perfect album, it does contain some of their best material of all time. It actually includes probably my favorite, favorite, favorite Rolling Stones song of all time, Tumbling Dice. But I'm not even going to play that to represent this album. Tumbling Dice is less obvious than some of the other songs I've played on this countdown, but I like to go with a different song here. I almost chose Rocks Off because my buddy Logan considers that to be one of the great album openers of all time. But I'm not going to go with either of our main choices off this record. I'm going to lean over here into track two. Just one of the great Stones boogies of all time. It's a quickie. It's in and out in just a little over two minutes. But it's one of the best examples of what the Rolling Stones do. Which is to rip this joint. Right there with Rip This Joint from The Great Exile on Main Street, the number nine album of 1972. We move on here to album number eight. And I've talked about this a lot on this countdown with acts that have two albums out in the same year. And this artist also did the same thing. But I'm not considering this a tight entry like I have with Al Green and the Raspberries beforehand. The album that preceded this that came out earlier in 1972... I like okay. I didn't even think to put it in the top 50 of 1972, honestly. And I don't mean that in any insulting way. A lot of people love the album that I didn't put on the countdown here. But with everything else that I've had on this countdown, and as good as the follow-up album to this is, I just couldn't in good conscience give it a shared entry or as a tie. So get your pitchforks ready. Album number eight is Talking Book by Stevie Wonder. Now, the album that preceded that I just mentioned, Music of My Mind, came out earlier, 72. It's okay. I just, I've never really felt that record. It's got a few good songs on it. But to me, Talking Book is like the first, like of this 70s era of his, where it's like, okay, this is a record. This is greatness right here. It's, It's pretty much a damn near perfect album. And I don't know what happened in the six months between releases, but it was something else, man. Like Stevie just came into his own on this record, which to me was the beginning of a four album period where he's just putting out his best stuff of his entire life. Go on this run here. It's Talking Book, Inner Visions, Fulfilling This First Finale, and Songs in the Key of Life, of course. But here we're talking about Talking Book. It came out October 28th, 1972, of course, produced by Stevie co-produced by Robert Margulies and Malcolm Cecil. Stevie probably playing at least a dozen instruments on this album. Stevie, of course, being credited with being the lead vocalist and main piano player on the album, but he's got some drum credits on there too. Stevie does play the drums, if you didn't know. There's clips out there. But yes, Talking Book, definitely one of the great albums of all time. Any album that has You Are the Sunshine of My Life, and superstition and one of the ultimate epic ballads closing off the album i believe when i fall in love it'll be forever you just can't go wrong with this record and i love this one right here definitely got a curtis mayfield vibe on this from day one and it's still one of my favorite songs on the album if not my favorite it's hard to beat superstition though but i'll say the best deep track on the album the award goes to this one right here this is maybe your baby
4: (laughs) I'm feeling down in
3: some kind of lonely, come on, baby.
5: And I don't even give a cat.
3: I feel like the world is turning on me. My dreams turn out just right in front of my
4: face. I'm getting kinda worried. And I've (laughs) seen
5: i when- Little Sally Walker sitting in the sun, checking out the guys that are. I...
2: I Curtis Mayfield prior to that song, but as Curtis would say, doo-doo-wop is definitely strong in here. But that was Stevie Wonder with Maybe Your Baby off of Talking Book. That's a record you absolutely should own. Of course you should. It's in the top ten of 1972, according to me. We move on to album number seven. This album came out on April 24th of 1972, produced by a guy by the name of John Fry. Recorded a studio that I've driven by, and I need to go visit officially at some point. Arden Studios in Memphis, Tennessee. Also, this band's debut album. And if I'm not mistaken, that's the highest debut on this particular countdown. I'll double check by the time we get to the end. You'll know for sure if it is or not. But in an obvious name for a debut, the album is called Number One Record, even though it comes in here. at seven. Nothing wrong with that. Seven's a really good number. And this is a killer Killer amazing record, number one record by Big Star. If you know, you know it's just one of those bands. If you don't know, you gotta know. There's documentaries, there's box sets, there's not even that many records. There's what, like what, four studio records, maybe? And you definitely gotta get the first two for sure. That's that's key. Definitely get the first two. The third one's pretty good, but the first two are essential. I think number one record here is the better of all of them and like i said damn near perfect only one song i really didn't like all that much but so not a hundred pointer but it came so close so definitely belongs here in the top 10 half the songs on this album give me a chill every time so catchy so perfect and this is just one of those songs this is the ballad of el Guto.
3: Ago, my heart was set to live. Oh, I've been trying hard against unbelievable odds. It gets so hard in times like now to hold on. But guns that wait to be stuck by at my side is God.
4: Ain't no one going to turn me around Ain't no one going to turn me around There's
3: people around tell you that they know the Places where to send you stuff.
2: So good right there. Big star from the number one record. That was the ballad of El Gudo. Man, you should own that for sure. Now, with album number six coming up right here, and from now on through the rest of the countdown, we're getting into albums that actually scored the perfect one hundred point score in the Rock and Rank system. So it becomes very hard for me to rank these things, and I have to do it surely based on what I consider to be overall greatness, importance, songs I like more than others, what I re-listen to more often than not. And this first one may be a surprise, especially since we've been through albums like Superfly and Talking Book already here in the top 10. This actually is going to be the highest ranked soul album of the entire countdown. And I didn't expect this either. I expected to like this record pretty well, but... I listened to this album for the first time all the way through a few months ago. I was blown away by it. I listened to it a few more times just to make sure the new shine didn't cloud my judgment that this was a perfect album. But for me, this was a perfect album. There's no bad songs on it. The emotion that the guy puts into these songs. I'm sure he felt like he led a charmed life, but people attach a negative stigma to the tag one-hit wonder. And at least as far as I could tell on the pop charts... He's basically considered a one hit wonder. And it's the song I'm going to play for you here. I'm sure you know the song, at least most of you should. But this entire record is great. The album is called 360 Degrees of Billy Paul. And the guy's name is Billy Paul, Philadelphia guy. And I, I would think that if they ever make a top 10 albums to represent Philadelphia, this album would have to be on it. It's so damn good. I just want to shout it out as loud as I can how great this album is. Because, once again, like I said with Big Star, if you know, you know. But when you talk about these big monster albums, like a Talking Book or a Superfly, people don't bring up 360 degrees of Billy Paul in the overall conversation. But they should. It's just that good. So, I don't know what else I could say about it. And, kind of like what I was talking about when I play other entries here in The Countdown, I feel like if I didn't play this song, I wouldn't be representing 1972 right. Even though this is the hit, and it's his soul hit, apparently, in the pop charts, it's just a perfect song every time this song gets me. I can't like 100% relate to this song, maybe on a lower level at some point in my life, but man, it doesn't matter. When the song takes off, there's almost nothing better. So here you go. For the number six album of 1972, this is Billy Paul with me and Mrs. Jones.
6: We meet every day At the same cafe Six thirty And no one knows she'll be there Holding hands Making all kinds of plans While the jukebox plays
2: Billy Paul of course me and Mrs Jones off of the perfect album in my opinion the perfect album 360 degrees of Billy Paul give that record a listen will ya Now continuing on with the 100 point perfect albums as we will do the rest of the way here on the countdown going to play you album number 5 and yet another album that I had zero nostalgia for and looking at the albums in advance maybe on this list I probably would not have expected it to be in the top ten or maybe even the top twenty. But as just one of those things that happened to me about a year or so ago, my friend Steve, my former coworker Steve, he put this record in my hand. He had he's one of those guys, man. He is so giving, he's so generous. And, you know, a lot of record nerds wouldn't even think to do something like this. He is such a fan of this record that he gave up one of his original pressings of this album and just gave it to me because he's like, do you have this? And I'm like, no. And he's like, you really should have this record. It's one of my favorite records ever. I'm just going to give it to you because he had upgraded it with one of the 180 grams that came out reissues. And like, you know, fucking record nerds like that are in it for the baseball card factor wouldn't even think to do something like that. And Steve is just so selfless anyway. And, you know, after a few weeks, I finally listened to it. And I was like, holy hell. Okay, now I understand why people like this guy so much. (laughs) Because, you know, this is somebody that I've always been aware of pretty much ever since I've been alive and listening to music. And he's been around and I've liked a few songs, but I've never really been a fan. And of course, the big musical critic, you know, hipster pivot is to just say, well, I only like him with the original band that he was in. But if you just do that, you're missing out because... This guy over here, Rod Stewart, when he first went solo, he was putting out some killer shit. And Proof positive with this album right here that came out on July 21st, 1972, called Never a Dull Moment, and absolutely correct. A absolute spot-on album title. Legit Never a Dull Moment. Every song on here is great, every performance is great. He's doing covers on here, like half the album is covers. But you wouldn't even know it. Like, he does a Dylan song. I didn't know it to be a Dylan song. He does Jimi Hendrix Angel, which is like, okay, I know that song. But he kills on it. And then he closes with Sam Cooke's Twist in the Night Away. I mean, I love Sam Cooke. Sam Cooke's a damn legend. He's iconic. I miss the guy. I think that might be the best version of the song. <laughs> I really do. And you still got like that faces attitude and faces snarl on some of these songs. And the song I'm going to play for you right here is, it really puts that part forward. This is the album opener right here, which he co-wrote with Ron Wood from The Phases, and of course a band we played earlier, The Rolling Stones. But before he was in The Stones, he was doing some amazing stuff with Rod right here. So to further entice you to check out this album, if you never have before, then I feel like this one will do it for you. It did for me. So here you go. Rod Stewart from Never a Dull Moment. This is True Blue. Never True Blue right there from Rod Stewart, the kickoff track from Never a Dull Moment, which at this point I will say is his best album of all time. I trust Steve's judgment for the most part. But I'm going to listen to a few more Rod albums from that time period and and get back to you on that. But all the rest of those albums have some big competition with that record. Yeah, I was talking about the covers earlier. He freaking covers Etta James' I'd Rather Go Blind, which I feel like no one should ever touch that song. Because when Etta James does it, it is... It's just the most. It's awesome. Rod Stewart does it, and I didn't even blink. I was like, "Yeah, he does a great job." <laughs> that motherfucker. So, all right. Album number five, right there. We go to album number four. Speaking of great voices, British gentlemen, stuff like that. Well, maybe not so much gentlemen when it comes to these guys, but we do love them. Coming in at number four is one of the great rock and roll bands of all time, Slade, with their album Slade. It's not self-titled because it's spelled S-L-A-Y-E-D with a question mark. So I guess I should have said Slade? Yeah, okay. But yes, this album came out November 1st, 1972. Produced by Chaz Chandler of Animals fame and Hendrix Controversial fame. He's been accused of murdering him. Anyway, getting back to Slade. Man, the amount of hit singles and killer albums that Slade were putting out in the 70s. It's just monstrous. You got to go through the whole thing. Some of the best rock and roll you'll ever hear in your life. Naughty Holder is one of the great singers ever. I I, I don't really know what else to say. I don't have a lot of insight. And I didn't grow up with it, but I got there as soon as I could. (laughs) Should definitely thank Quiet Riot for opening my eyes, even if they were resistant to it in some weird way, retrospectively. But I will always feel like I'm indebted to them for You know, just being awesome, but also turning me on to Slade. And I would hear so many echoes of the influence, just on this record in particular, on other albums by some of my favorite bands of all time. It's everywhere in my favorite records of all time. So it's no shock that Slade, that Slade should be one of my favorite records ever. And it's number four here in 1972. Of course, I mentioned Quiet Riot earlier. First time I heard this song was, of course, by Quiet Riot. With the original version right here and it's not just been covered by qr but a lot of other bands as well so turn it up this is mama we're all crazy now right coming in at number 4 of the top albums of 1972 that was slade was slade and that was of course mama we're all crazy now you should get into that whole record it is a freaking barn burner top to bottom and as with most slade albums of that time period especially and definitely as you would note if you paid attention during the odds and ends series of 1972 all those singles that are just not on those records Got to track all those down as well. It's another thing that, you know, a good best of CD will definitely help you out. All right. Album number three of 1972 is actually called volume four. Yes. Black Sabbath has our number three album of 1972. Volume four came out on September 25th of 1972, produced by Patrick Meehan and the band co-producing It's part of the first 6 Black Sabbath albums, so by that definition some of the best albums ever made ever. Volume 4 is no exception. Even out of all the Iommi instrumentals, it has my favorite Iommi instrumental on here, Not Effects, but Laguna Sunrise. Man, what a gorgeous piece of music that is. But of course, a handful of killer Sabbath classics. Everybody knows Changes now, but also you got the greatness of Supernaut And, of course, Snowblind. Snowblind definitely, I don't think, ever left the set list for its entirety since it was ever recorded from the time they went on tour with it to the last ever show, I believe. It was definitely played on there as as well. But, you know, it's it's like that half and half. It's half really notable songs that people know and half super deep cuts. I didn't really know where to go with this. Of course, I was very tempted to play Super Now because I love that song. It's one of the great rock songs ever. But let's go with this one right here. I think this represents sort of where they were at in their head and this definitely led to more experimental stuff like the stuff on sabbath bloody sabbath so i'm going to go with this one right here the album opener this is wheels of confusion Black Sabbath right there. One of the greatest bands ever assembled. Osborne, Iomi, Butler and Ward. Man, what magic they made on tape right there. And throughout all those initial Sabbath albums, there would be those instrumentals that kind of come in there and become the jam part of the song. They all have names to them. Like, even on Paranoid, like the jam at the end of War Pigs is actually officially called Luke's Wall. And the preamble to Fairies Wear Boots is called Jack the Stripper and on that particular song on wheels of confusion that song that trails off is called the straightener so a little fun fact for you if you didn't know that and yes of course volume four a perfect album you should have it you should also once again i'm going to say it again you should have the first six sabbath albums and also heaven and hell mob rules and you're good some of the other albums are pretty good but those eight albums are the best okay A lot of bands can't say they have like eight damn near perfect albums, but black Sabbath can another artist that probably easily has eight great albums. If not more is the gentleman that occupies album number two. I should, I should say band because it does seem like a band effort, especially the way it's dialogued in here. You know, I don't know, but obviously you got to have the auteur and then you got to have some people to lean on. And without that chemistry, And without the thought going into all this stuff, maybe this perfect storm doesn't happen. Because some would argue once this particular chemistry is gone, then it was never the same again. Not that it wasn't still good. Maybe not as great. You know, hey. And I'm stalling a little bit because I'm a little nervous. But coming into album number two, this album that came out on June 16th of 1972, produced by Ken Scott, co-produced by the person who sang on this album is an album called the rise and fall of ziggy stardust and the spiders from mars of course a david bowie record but let's see that band effort there and the fact that the band is pictured you know within the imaging of the album it's not anything that he did that often seems like most david albums are very much just albums that he did at least he was the leader this one does seem and feel like a band effort. And this is one of those records I obviously knew it would do well. There was that potential for it to be number one for sure. If you look through the list in advance you might even go, okay, that's going to be number one. And when I went to review this for this particular countdown, I tried to listen to it with a critical ear. It may be past the point where I can listen to it with a critical ear, but my ear, regardless of where it is, it tells me that this is a perfect album top to bottom. There's apparently not a bad song on it. It's a hundred pointer and you must own it. I definitely highly recommend if you if go in the CD route, there was a good double disc special edition version that came out a while back with some of the other singles that weren't even on the record or B sides well worth tracking down. And another thing that makes this like his Sergeant Pepper, if you will, there were like two huge singles. That were left off of Sgt. Pepper because they were singles. So that by that rule at that point, you don't put it on the record. So, which was Strawberry Fields Forever and Lady Madonna. I mean, imagine if Sgt. Pepper had those songs on there. Now imagine if this album had all the young dudes on it, which timeline wise could have been a reality. Imagine that. Also imagine if the great single John I'm Only Dancing was on this record. Wow. Oh, (laughs) and i'm sure i'm leaving something else out bowie was always putting singles out the other cool thing that you can tack on hunky dory to this like there's like two or three songs on hunky dory that really sound like the true predecessor to this album especially with the opener changes and the closer queen bitch obviously the mick ronson contribution is, is big on those songs but it just became a perfect thing once you get to Ziggy Stardust. It's heralded for a reason. It's just one of those albums. We can all agree on it. At least I hope we could. It's perfect. And it's really interesting. Some of my favorite songs on this record, I felt like at one point they belonged to me, which were Starman and Moon Age Daydream. And over the last few years, especially since David has left us, I feel like those songs kind of belong to the world now. I'm not mad that they're like quote not my songs anymore kind of happy about it because for the longest time it really apparently just seemed to be all about the title track so now i'm going to do the weird thing and go back to that (laughs) because i feel like nowadays the title track really doesn't get a lot of love so why not to represent the rise and fall of ziggy stardust and the spiders from mars here's the song that tells the fictional tale ziggy stardust (sighs) Oh. Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. <sighs> now, Ziggy played guitar, jamming good with weather and game.
1: From Mars, he played it left hand, but made it too
5: far. Became the special man, then we were Ziggy's band. Ziggy really sang,
1: screwed up eyes and screwed down hairdo, like some cat from Japan. He could lick come by smile could leave until hand they came on so
5: loaded man
1: Was the nest with God given ass? He took it all too far, but boy, could he play guitar, making love with his.
2: coming in at number two of the top albums of 1972 and any other year without this next album it would have easily been number one and i almost feel bad putting this album number to it. so perfect i feel like i should have just copped out and said you know what it's tied these top five albums are just all tied screw it but no i went ahead and ranked them as painful as it was that was of course ziggy stardust by david bowie but officially on that record really it's just credit to the spiders from mars So yes, Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders of Mars, you just can't freaking go wrong and you must, must have it for sure. And of course, this next one is a must have. It is my favorite album of 1972. I don't even have to look at the notes on this one. The only time I'm going to the notes is to get the official release date because I'm not that guy that ever knows release dates of records. Thankfully, I'm at least not that nerd. But this album came out on June 30th, 1972. What to say, there's been some amazing bands just in this top 10, but of course throughout this entire top 50. I've talked about bands like Black Sabbath and even Slade or the Rolling Stones or Kool and the Gang. Those are some of the best bands ever assembled. I put this band up there with any of those bands. Probably my overall favorite band ever assembled. The original Alice Cooper. Course in 1972 was all about schools out, and I say all about because the initial trajectory and to this day it's all about schools out. I'm not hating on the song Schools Out, the title track, it is absolutely 100% one of the greatest rock songs and not only songs but anthems of all time. I'm recording this a few days after the school district around here got out, and you know that song was blaring out of at least a few cars. Not as many as it used to be, but it's still out there. It's still in the air, you know, and that's what makes it one of those songs. It's going to be around forever. And I love that. One thing I would love to get across if my show never does anything else, if I never do anything else, I want stuff like this to get out. Like it needs to be known that this is a perfect album. It's not just a one song show pony. Kind of in the same way of like, you know, what's another good example? News of the World. Man, that thing, that might be a perfect album too. And people really only know it for those two songs. It's really sad. And these initial Alice Cooper records, of course, especially Love to Death, Killer. This one, Billion Dollar Babies. This four album run, absolutely perfect. 100 pointers, all perfect albums. I could definitely make arguments for stuff that came before and after it, but These are four perfect albums. School's Out should be known as a great album. It should be absolutely put up there with Ziggy Stardust or Exile on Main Street or any of these records. It deserves it. It's that great. Much credit to Alice, Dennis Dunaway, Michael Bruce, the late great Glenn Buxton, and of course the great Neil Smith, and Bob Ezrin at the helm right there. An important sixth member of the band at this point for sure. I just love it. I just love it. It's hard to not say this is the best Alice record, but then I think about those other records, I'm like, ah, shit. They're really all tied. I've been more of a champion of this album more than any of the other ones because of all the things I just said. There's just some amazing, amazing, perfect songs. The arrangement on these things are top order. Love it all. Gutter Cats, Blue Turk, Public Animal. Man, it's all great. I'm going to go with this one right here i just kind of went with well what's going to be a great closer even in an album that has a song called grand finale i'm going to go with this one as the closer i just don't think you can go anywhere else after this song so closing off the show here today and to represent the number one album of 1972 this is the original alice cooper group with my stars brilliance right there. Perfection, brilliance, epicness, rock and roll. It's all there. Alice Cooper with my stars from the album School's Out. The number one album of 1972. Hopefully not just my opinion. Let me know what you think out there. It's okay to disagree with me. I'd love to know what your favorite stuff is out of the entirety of these top 50 albums. But if nothing else, Please check out schools out buy it buy it for someone buy it for five different people Buy it. It's great. It's perfect All right, I'm gonna go ahead and get out of here a couple of things on the horizon right here what, you know as of this week, we're knee-deep into watching stranger things season four I really enjoyed those stranger things episodes that I did a few years ago So there's definitely going to be a season four episode coming up for me here on rock strikes 10 And if you haven't heard those, go back and check those out in the archives. Of course, the next year we're going to tackle, I am already way into 1982. I'm actually almost done listening to all the records at this point. I'm killing it right now. And hopefully I'll get to do more countdowns before we get to the end of the year here. So plenty of things to look forward to. Big things doing on Rock Strikes 10. And I ask and implore you not just to only buy a lot of these records here on the list, But to stay along for the last few minutes here of the show, check out the plugs featuring my better half, Nola, followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola.
0: We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at rockstrikes Ten and the direct email is rockstrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have Rockstrikes 10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, Next Level branded shirt, and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening... the last theater starring Chris where cinema's trash is treated like treasure and the I am vinyl podcast with Pete Larusa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel who can now be heard exclusively on Sirius XM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and hair nation last but certainly not least. We would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete Larusa and the band Space Beard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com/spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes Ten sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun.